All right. And so because I have people viewing from various different avenues, um, you know, I've got a few different things going on here and it may I may be in between questions. When you do have a question, feel free to type it into the chat box and I will be sure to take a look at it. Um, if I don't get to it during, I do have time designated at the end to address any questions you have. Um, also, I don't mind you chiming in, unmuting yourself, and just jumping in and asking your question immediately. If, uh, if you would like to do that, feel free. You can interrupt me. I do not mind. Now, what I'm going to be delving into today, as you all know, is going to be some, um, I'm going to delve into some of the depths of what it actually, what actually gets the results when you're doing credit repair. Now, one thing that you all will get is um, some documents. Uh, and these documents are going to be some of the key documents that you're going to want to have a hold of in order to get the results that produce permanent lasting results when it comes to credit repair. Now, that's going to come after this session because you're going to want to learn a little bit about those things and actually how it works and why it works before you get them so that you can understand and know what to do when you actually begin using them. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Hi, you guys. My name is Shauna Eberhardt. So I know a lot of times people see the spelling of my name and you have a different thought in your head as to what it may actually be, but it's pronounced Shauna. And um, I actually am in Richmond, Virginia. And so I'm going to go ahead and get started with everything this evening. Now, I'm not going to waste a lot of time and give you a lot of information that is not relevant or I'm not going to say it's not relevant, but it's things that you probably already know about credit. So I don't want to waste a lot of time doing that. I want to delve into some of the things that you probably don't know and probably weren't aware of. Or maybe you had a little bit of knowledge about, but not enough to really do anything with. Or maybe you didn't even know if it was true or not. So we're going to delve into that right now. I'm really excited because every time I get into dealing with the laws that back up the results that we get with the credit repair, it always blows people's minds. So before I really get going, I'm going to ask you to keep an open mind because you absolutely are going to need an open mind for a lot of the information that you're going to hear uh, today in this session. And so definitely keep an open mind. Um, know that it is very possible that what you may have uh, been taught or told or believe that you know may not necessarily be the case and or uh, there may be some workarounds for whatever it is that uh, you think may be the case. So we're going to delve into all of that tonight. Actually, we're going to get started right now. So the first thing that I want to get started with are delving into those laws because 
the laws are the foundation of what makes the results happen. So when we're talking about credit repair laws, you absolutely want to be sure that you are um, that you know the FCRA, which is the Fair Credit Reporting Act, that is very heavily used um, when we are dealing with cleaning up credit. Specifically, a, a popular one, I'm not going to delve too much into it, but a popular one that everyone likes to use is Section 609, right? And Section 609 pretty much is the, the, the parent... I would say, of all of the credit repair stuff. Because in Section 609, it's pretty much, um, not only is that where it's stating that the credit bureaus um, have a certain amount of time to respond, but the depth of that in the 609 is that they have to validate the information. Now, see, when we delve into credit repair, a lot of times we're talking about when you're doing disputes, right? Let's say you do a dispute, you look up your credit report online, Credit Karma, something like that, and you see some information that you feel is not accurate. So you go and you decide to do an online dispute, uh, possibly through Credit Karma, and you go through that process. It's a very cookie cutter, generic process, a generic form that you're filling out. But on that form is gonna give you just a few options to choose from. And usually when people are disputing information on their credit report, what you're asking the bureaus to do is verify the information. So right here, we're gonna talk about the difference between verification and validation. Because when you want those permanent lasting results, you don't care at all about the verification. We wanna know about the validation. So verification is, is your, does your name match? Does your address match? Is it your social? Is it your birthday? Uh, can they prove that this is your debt? All of this kind of stuff per the information that is listed, can they prove that they can? That's verification. They basically just want to do checks and balances to see, okay, the names match up, the addresses match up, the social match up, the birthday match up. Yep, this is Jane Doe's account. It's going to stay on the credit report. And or what will happen is if now everyone pretty much knows that the credit bureaus have 30 days to get back with you with the result as far as when you initiate a dispute. Now, what typically happens when you initiate a dispute is a lot of times the company that you are disputing the information for, the company may not get back with the credit bureaus within that 30 days to give the credit bureaus a response. So what ends up happening is because by law, the credit bureaus have to remove that item if the company does not get back with them or um, some, you know, something like that. If, if the company doesn't get back with them and say, yes, it's yours, then the credit bureaus by default have to remove that negative item from the credit report. Now, what happens is let's say maybe 60 to 90 days down the line, this company has now had a chance 
to go through, look at that file and verify that the account is actually yours. So then what they do is they contact the credit bureaus back and they say, oh yes, this is absolutely Jane Doe's account. Uh, this needs to go back on the credit report. And so once again, now the item is back on the credit report, even though it was removed at first, because now this company has gotten back to the credit bureaus to verify the information. And so now it gets back on the credit report. Now, like I said, there's a difference between verification and validation. So in that example, I just gave an example of verification. Now, validation, what happens with validation is validation is requesting to, is, is requesting the bureaus to actually prove that the debt is a valid debt per the, the realm of the law. And when you're dealing in law, and this, this aspect of the credit repair delves into contract law. So when you're dealing in the law, and more specifically right now we're talking about contract law, it states that a valid legally binding contract is one that both parties have wet ink signed the document stating what the agreement is it's both parties have took a pen to the paper and they have actually signed the document now this is important because today there really aren't very many uh legally binding contracts that still exist today just because of how we are doing things but the law is still the same. The law, that law has not changed. So even though we have grown to a more technological age, that particular law still states that the legally binding contract is one that both parties have wet ink signed the document. And it has to be both parties, not just one party, not just you sign and the other person didn't sign. Both of you have to sign wet ink, sign the document. Now, I want you to think for a moment, if you can, of any instance today, and it's not very many, but if you can think of any instance today that there is actually still a legally binding contract that um, that exists it's not very many things at all i will tell you and as a matter of fact um i'm just going to come out and tell you it is the only one maybe two legally binding contracts that still exist today the number one biggest one being a mortgage you know when you go for that mortgage right Everybody comes to the table and everybody has their pen waiting to sign those documents. Everybody has to sign. It's a big deal. You know, you've got your signing agents and the title companies and everybody is involved and everybody physically signs that paperwork. There's a reason for that because there's a lot of money at stake. 
And so they want to be sure that if anything happens, that they can absolutely, per the realms of the law, recoup that money, right? So that is one of the things. The other thing typically may sometimes be like an auto loan because that's another big purchase as well. But even in today's times, a lot of times the auto loans really aren't, you know, not always are those legally binding contracts. Not Sometimes today you can buy a car online, you know, and uh, when you do that, there's no wet ink signing involved. So, but anyway, so that's an example of an actually, an actual legally binding contract that still exists would be the mortgage is a big one, right? So back to the validation. So in validation, it's stating both parties need to have wet ink signed the document to be within the realms of the law, meaning whatever the contract is between you and XYZ company. Now, like I said, a lot of times today, this is not happening. You got that credit card, you didn't sign Jack, you know, and the company definitely didn't sit down and sign with you. You know, you got, what else you got? You may have some other accounts with even um, a lot of times with the medical bills and things of that nature. They're not signing. You might have to sign, and that's even digital, but they don't sign anything, you know. So there are not, a lot of this stuff that's on your credit report isn't even actually, don't even, won't even stand up in the court of law if you know your stuff right? Because it, it, it can get you if you don't know your stuff. But if you know your stuff, then it will not stand in the court of law. It cannot because it's not an actual legally binding contract. So that's what, we, that's what we're focusing on with the validation and the verification. So what happens with validation, since I gave you the example with the verification dealing with the credit bureaus, I will tell you what validation does. So what happens is when you uh, ask the credit bureaus to validate the debt. Now, I'm going to give you the scenario and then I'm going to tell you some other stuff that ends up happening, you know, because there's always audibles that are thrown in there. And the, the audible being, I don't know if you guys are football people or whatever, but, you know, when um, there's something that is... Um, that comes in and throws a curveball, basically, you know, in the game, then that is what we're considering an audible. So, you know, you've always got those things that happen. But um, when you are validating a debt, you're asking the credit bureaus to uh, provide you with the actual contract, legally binding contract, that both parties have actually wet ink signed the document. Now, when the credit bureaus get this information, they typically follow the same process. You know, they'll have the company, um, they'll contact the company, and then the company will end up um, getting back with them. And again, it may or may not be within that 30-day time period that the company gets back with them. But what ends up happening typically when you do that is now the company has to actually supply some additional information because at this point they're not just verifying the information they're not just looking at their documents to say oh yeah everything matches this is her account what happens is now they've got to supply some stuff and usually even what they supply is not what we're requesting so 
in them not supplying what we're requesting is what makes the process take a little bit longer, but I'll delve into that a little bit later. So um, to continue with the original thought, when they are uh, basically getting back with the credit bureaus as far as the validation of the debt, what will happen is they will probably send some bills that you owe, you know, and they may send several bills. They say, oh, yeah, and they'll send a letter stating, uh, you know, maybe that they don't understand uh, what you're asking or why you're asking. Um, they may send you a letter stating uh, that they don't agree with what you're requesting, and then they'll attach some bills to it. You know, but typically there's always going to be something. The companies that are a bit smarter will just immediately go ahead and um, just dissolve the account. They'll just say, you know what? Okay, we don't even want to go down that road. We're done. Right. And so you'll see those start to be removed immediately because those companies just say, we don't even want to fight this. We already know where it's going. So um, a lot of times with the validation, um, when you get those results, whether it takes a little while or, you know, whether it's instantly, then what happens with those is that because of the manner in which you disputed it, requesting the validation uh, rather than the verification, you never have to worry about the item coming back because with the validation, they have to supply the contract. And if they can't supply the legally binding contract, then it's not that it just doesn't stand up it doesn't hold and so it has they have to remove it and like i said it wouldn't even hold up in the court of law i've helped many people get out of court cases because of that contract law specifically um so even if those creditors try to sue you try to take you to court for that money if there is no legally binding contract in existence they it will be thrown out and i've had many people and i'm talking about little small debt all the way up to big debt fifty thousand dollars is like the the most that i've personally um gotten someone out of so i've seen in as little as you know a couple hundred on up to fifty thousand and it works you can get out of it but i digress so now back to the audibles when you're doing validation because this process is one that nowadays um, a lot of people because of the information age a lot of people have access to a lot of information right so you may find a document online or something like that and you submit it in to see what happens and these companies know that so they oftentimes will not bend at the first letter that comes to them. They're going to think that you're just some random person. You don't know anything. You found a letter online. You sent it in and was hoping for some good results. Truly, that's what's going on. And so initially, they are going to keep throwing audibles. You know, they're going to keep uh, either sending you stuff you did not request you know, telling you no, it's not going to be removed and sending you bills, like I mentioned before. Any little thing that they can do just so that it's some sort of a response to you and it's not the response you're looking for, they're going to send that. And then they know that 
if you don't know anything, that that'll be the end of it, you know? Because if you send that letter in, you don't know what to do next, they say no, that's the end. They know there's nothing that's going to come next because you don't know enough to do anything next, right? But now for the ones who do know a little bit more, uh, of course, you will keep fighting. You know, you will send in the next appropriate document that's, that um, needs to be sent in, and then they'll have to respond to that. And sometimes these companies will continue to fight and continue to go back and forth with you. And you'll have to go through a process. But the process in the end always works. So no matter how long, you know, no matter how much these companies want to fight, in the end, you will always win. So it may take some months. It could absolutely take some months because what happens and the reason it takes months is because one, you've got to send a letter. Then by law, you've got to get them. You have to give them time to respond to that letter. Then they respond. It has to get mailed back to you, <laughs> you know, so you've got to account for mail time. Then once you account for mail time, now you read it. Now you've got to formulate your response back. So now you send the response back, you mail it off, you know, you've got that mail time, then, you know, the time for them to actually get it in their hands, then respond, they respond to you, they send something back. It's just a lot of back and forth. So easily it can become months that this goes on. So when people might tell you, oh, you can have items removed in 30 days, 45 days, 60 days or whatever, not saying that it can't happen, but usually in those cases, what's happening is it's the default deletions. Those ones that will end up coming back in a few months. And those aren't what we're looking for. You want to be sure that when you get those items removed from your credit report, that you don't have to worry about them coming back ever again. So we're looking for the validation, real deal validation of debt um deletions and not the verification um or the lack of the company responding so you get the deletion by default deletion you know there's a difference okay so i'm going to check to see if i have any questions at this point once again um if you have any questions go ahead and feel free to type it into the chat like I said, I do have several different um, streams going here. I've got people in different groups. So I am going to just check to see if I have any questions so far. And then I'm going to go ahead and continue. Okay, so I'm not seeing anything right now. But feel free to type in and um, or shout out either one. Okie dokie. So... Moving on, now we are going to delve into understanding the collection accounts. Now, if you guys have been following me, you know that I say never pay on a collection account. And so the reason that I say never pay on a collection account is because the collection accounts, you do not have an agreement with the collection agency. Once again, 
all you have to do is think about the contract law validation of debt that's it if you consider contract law each time when you're dealing with these items on your credit report then you'll know what items can come off and which can't but with collection items if you pay a collection item you are now agreeing to owing that debt you do not want to do that you do not want to put yourself in that predicament because already when that item goes to collection you are now protected you now have no obligation because you didn't have any sort of agreement with that particular company so if you begin to pay on it, you are stating without stating that you believe that you owe these people. You set your own self up and that's not something you want to do. So do not pay on collection accounts because you are protected once that item goes to collections. I mean, you're protected anyway, you know, because a lot of time, once again, going back to contract law with the original company, but when it goes to collections, you absolutely, you're done. Because the original company has already written it off. You know, they've written it off as a bad debt. So they've gotten for your debt what they wanted to get. Now, this other company, collection agency, comes along and perhaps they purchase your debt from the original creditor. But nobody told them to do that. You didn't, <laughs> you know, you didn't ask them to do that. You didn't set up an agreement or get into an agreement with them to, um, you know, to, to take over or, or take on that particular account. They chose to do that themselves, thinking that they would be able to get something out of it. But if the collection agency were to take you to court, as long as you know your information, which now you have enough information to know how to stand your ground in court with knowing and understanding contract law, then you can easily get out of that. So even if they try to take you to court, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So collection accounts are some of the easiest things to really work with. I mean, sometimes you have some companies who will be difficult and who's going to take you through a lot. You've always got those ones. But for the most part, they, those types of things are very easy to work with. Now, um, let's see, moving right along, I am going to see here now, I'm going to solicit your um, participation. So I would like for you to let me know, um, first of all, one, have you recently obtained a copy of your credit report? And then two, do you know and understand how to read everything that is there? Because that's what I want to delve into next. Because if you are going to be um, either one, cleaning up your own or cleaning up someone else's, then you absolutely need to understand um, what you're looking at, how to read it and everything like that. So in just a moment here, I'm actually going to share my screen so that we can take a look at a sample report and then you'll be able to know and understand how to read it. But feel free to kind of um, 
type into the chat bar and as I'm getting my screen ready to be shared Just going to take a quick break here and review a credit report. And then I'm going to go back into the laws because there's a few that I want you to actually do a little bit of homework on and study so that you can understand them. Let's see. So what I'm doing here now is trying to prepare the screen so that I am not uh, revealing too much information. So I'm not super tech savvy, so give me just a moment here. I definitely don't want to uh, jeopardize anyone's personal information. But I also want to be sure that I'm giving you guys some good stuff to look at so you can see some different scenarios as far as what you may see on the credit report. See some good stuff, some bad stuff, um, some collection items and everything. So give me just a moment here. Alright, so this one doesn't really have too much that is a good negative account. I'm going to find another one here. See, the good thing is that um, when you begin working with your credit or you begin helping others with theirs, um, being able to look and track the progress is an amazing thing because it can happen, like I said, just within a matter of a few months. You'll, um, you know, you'll begin to see your score increase and it's just an amazing sort of thing. It's very um, exciting. You know, it's very exciting because you look back on where you were to where you are now or for your clients um you know where they started and where they are now okay so this might be a good one now let's see how i can not reveal this person's information okie dokie all right so i'm about to share my screen thank you for your patience by the way as i Fished through the accounts there. All right, share my screen. How do I do that? Okie dokie. Okay, so hopefully you can see my screen right now. And what I want to share with you 
which you should be able to see this particular account is a student loan account as you can see it says department of ed so of course that's a student loan but i wanted to show you this because it's a neg it's showing as a negative account so it's a potentially negative account and it's open we can see here at the account status that it says it is open now be mindful whenever you are looking at a credit report they all can look different depending on where you are getting it from but the information that's contained within is going to be the same you'll usually see the account name the account number of course the type of account that it is and it'll show the balance um, if there's any past due amount when the account was open if the account is currently open or if it's closed um, you'll see if there's a monthly payment amount, you'll see that. If there, um, whatever the current status is, is going to show here. So as you can see, for this one, it says it's current, but it was um, past due 180 days. Uh, you know, so it'll show that. This one for Equifax, it says pays as agreed. So you can kind of see here how each bureau is can sometimes reflect something different. So that also is something key to be aware of as well because these bureaus are individual entities. And so some may have some information that others do not. And some may have different information from one another. So um, hopefully it's not too far off. It should be just about the same, but sometimes you may see some things that are a little different. Uh, next, you'll see if the high balance, if there was, um, usually you'll see like if it's a credit card, you'll see if it was over the limit, you'll see that here. Uh, whatever the limit is, if there was a limit, what the terms are, and then you'll see comments. So um, in the comment section, usually it'll say something like um, if, it, if you paid it off, it'll say paid or... Um, if it's a collection item, it'll say collection or something like that. So the comments may say um, different things. But what I want to bring your attention to is the 24-month payment history. So in the 24-month payment history, this time period is what is most affected um, by or what your credit score is most affected by the last two years. So typically the last two years is what is um, being reflected and what is most um, affecting your credit score right now. So two years, remember that because you want to make sure that two years out or back rather is um, clear. You want to be focused on that mostly. All right, so when we're looking at the 24-month payment history uh, ideally you want to see all okays here like everything looks good and you have been making your payments on time that will reflect a good account now anytime you go 30 days past due it will reflect as a negative account now is not to say that it's going to drastically damage your score, but it's going to take a pretty good hit. And the reason being is because 
the your credit score is made up of five different factors the biggest being your payment history so because your payment history is the biggest factor when you go past due even just 30 days one is going to reflect here just like you see this one says 90 it will say 30 and it's going to reflect there and however many times you have been late it's going to reflect that so as you can see here this person had a little spell where they were consistently late over a period of time. That pretty much would typically tell you maybe that person had some sort of hardship at that time. And so um, if you are looking to possibly help someone with their credit, that's something um, that you would want to be mindful of um, as you are assisting them and you know, uh, maybe try to see what went on there. Uh, because that might be something that you can try to assist them in clearing up uh, to make that particular account look a little bit better. But um, there is some really good information on the student loans. I'm not going to delve too much into that tonight because that's a whole nother topic. But um, those student loans, you can get them so that if they are negative um, you can have them transformed into a positive so I will do a different session on that because the student loans have a whole nother system um, that they kind of fall under and I really like to do things naturally and organically when it comes to the credit and so I like for you to be able to organically kind of make the results happen as opposed to uh, the opposite. So I'll delve into that a little bit later as well. But I just wanted to show you what the report will look like when you look at it and what you're looking for. Because you want to look at this 24-month history and see how that is looking. That's going to be key for you to... Um, understanding what needs to happen as well because if there's something here like you've got these consecutives then you may want to address that with the company to try to clear it up so that was the reason for me showing you that but also help you to understand how to read the report so each trade each account that's here or we call them trades or trade lines so a trade line is just an account that's listed on your credit report so each of these accounts um, are considered trade lines, are considered trades, whichever is interchangeable. Um, and so each account, of course, if, especially if it's open, has some sort of impact on your credit score. Now, I'm going to stop sharing my screen so that I don't share any personal information of um, this person's. But what I'm going to do next is I'm going to bring up a copy of the breakdown of credit scores. So as I do that, give me just a moment. Open up big. 
Alrighty. See if I can figure out how to share the screen again. All right, I think I'm just gonna do it from right here. So let's see. Y'all have to forgive me. I told y'all I'm not a very techy person. Okie dokie. We're going to go right here. Alrighty. So hopefully you can see my screen now. <laughs> and uh, this is just a chart, obviously, found online that breaks down the breakdown of your credit scores. Right? So here... As you can see, your payment history makes up the biggest portion of your credit score. The next biggest portion of your credit score are the amounts owed, meaning your credit utilization, meaning how much of the available credit that you have to use are you actually using. If you're using up a lot of it, Trust and believe your score is going to be lower. If you're using a little of it, your score is going to be higher. So these two factors are key. Payment history, make sure you make your payments on time. And amounts owed or credit utiliz utilization, make sure that you're not using up all the credit that you have. Those are key. Now, the next thing is going to be the length of credit history. Now, this piece is typically what is missing for someone when they look at their credit report and they're like, I don't understand why my score is not higher. I don't have any negative items. I pay my bills on time. I'm not using up a lot of credit. Why can't I get my score higher? Usually... It's going to be because of this factor here, the length of credit history or the credit age. It, it's, it typically is just that their account, that they haven't had credit long enough. So that is keeping you from seeing the maximum score potential. So in a lot of cases like those, for me, that was where I would recommend trade lines. Trade lines that have been in exist in the, well, in existence for ten plus years and can actually give you what you need as far as the age increasing the age of what's reflected as your credit history. That is key. The length of credit history makes a difference. If you are only people who have 20 or more years on their credit report and all other factors are good, those are the people who have excellent credit. That's where you see those. When they've got 25 or more years time in 
and every other factor is good, they've got excellent credit. If you've got about 10, anywhere between 10 and 20, you have the potential to have good credit. Anything less than that is teetering. <laughs> you know, even if all other factors are good, it can potentially be teetering and not be the maximum potential that it could be simply because of the length of history. It's not long enough. Your credit your credit history isn't long enough. That's it. That'll keep you from it. Um, if all other factors are in place, you want to take a look at that. That's probably what's not, you know, that's probably what's keeping your score from being the best that it could possibly be. Now, the other two are new credit and types of credit. So new credit is just, have you opened any new accounts recently? You know, that new credit card account you have or something like that. Um, that is what new credit is. And then, of course, the types of credit. You've got two. You have your revolving credit and then you have your installment credit. So you want to make sure that you have a good balance of both. Now, the revolving credit, of course, are credit cards. Installment credit is just loans. So you need a little bit of both in order to make sure that your score sees the maximum potential. So that is what is key in ensuring that you your score um, goes to where you want it to go. Now, for me, I am more so focused on the score, uh, you know, and as we focus on getting that score up, uh, you know, naturally, as we're removing the items, a lot of times people are focused on removing the items. And that's okay. That's good. A lot of times people think that removing those items are going to drastically improve their score. But what they do not know is that in removing those items, if the rest of your credit is not set up properly, you could remove those items and your score drop. And so, you know, I've seen it happen to people. I have seen and I've heard it, of it happening to people. You know, they're like, what in the world? I, this item just came off and my score still dropped. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you don't have the proper setup. There's a formula to this thing. And the thing about it is that they keep it so the formula is so tricky. No one really knows the formula. But we have a good idea of the formula. So if you can stick to this and, and no one saying, okay, I'm going to make my payments on time and I'm going to keep my utilization low and make sure that I have some some long credit, meaning, you know, like your, the credit's been in existence in a while, for a while, you know, these other two factors don't, of course, that's 20, total with 20% of your score. So those two things, even though a factor are not weighing as heavily, these other three big deals, really big deals. So you want to make sure that you focus on those three things heavily. But in reviewing the report, also make sure that, okay, I've got some revolving credit and I've got some installment credit that is open and active. Because the open and active accounts are the only ones that are really doing anything as far as your score right now. 
So make sure that we're talking about open and active accounts when we're dealing with those. Now, let me, I'm going to stop the screen share and I'm going to go and see if I have any questions up until this point. Let's see, I think I'm in the chat. All right. Okay, so I'm going to move right along. I'm going to pull up another document. And this one is going to be showing you the actual uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act. So we're going to review that for a moment so that you can see exactly what I'm speaking of. Excuse me. Now, I want to be sure I actually get up the one of the laws that I use when I'm doing performing credit repair. Let's see. All right, here we go. I'm going to share my screen once again. Okay, here we go. All right, so you should be able to see this document right here, which is the Fair Credit Reporting Act 60, Section 609. And this portion is speaking of, let's see. All right, so I'm going to start at um, number one right here. I'm just going to read it to you what it says. Part of it, not the whole thing. But in general, for the purposes of documenting fraudulent transactions resulting from identity theft, not later than 30 days after the date of receipt of a request from a victim, meaning the person who is submitting the dispute, in accordance with paragraph three and subject to verification of the identity of the victim, and the claim of identity theft in accordance with paragraph two. Now this part right here is actually speaking about if there was a case of identity theft. Now, and, and as you can see, it specifically states, states verification. Now, a lot of times you're gonna see all of this stuff say verification. Almost all of it is gonna say verification. We, as I mentioned before, concerned about what? Validation, right? Not verification. So, do, 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 do. let's see. Sec paragraph section two, still talking about verification. Let's see. I'm going to see if it actually states anywhere here about validation. Because like I said, validation... Uh, that kind of comes in when you're dealing with the contract law. So now this 
The FCRA, of course, are the laws that are in place to protect you as the consumer when you're dealing with these bureaus as well as the creditors. So this stuff has a lot of stuff in here that is for you that protects you. However, it may or may not be what is essential in um, having those negative items removed. So just FYI on that one. Here, as I look right here, right? Here is one thing, uh, one strategy that sometimes you'll find people use who are cleaning credit. This still dealing with the identity theft, but right here it says as proof of a claim of identity theft at the election of the business entity, a copy of a police report evidencing the claim of the victim and properly in a properly completed copy of a standardized affidavit of identity theft developed and made available um, by the commission or an FN1 affidavit of fact that is acceptable to the business entity for that purpose. Now, I kind of started in the middle, but when I noticed the police report, it made me think because sometimes when you are cleaning credit, some people will utilize that strategy of obtaining a police report as the means to getting items removed from the credit report. So um, I do know of some people who use that strategy. That strategy can be one that works. But the thing is, is that you've got to get the police report. So you, you, you need a reason to obtain the police report. And if you're able to do that, then you can um, sometimes get the items removed from the credit report that way quickly and easily actually, because uh, they will just take that police report and whatever information is obtained therein, uh, the credit bureaus are going to remove that information um, on the basis of them believing it to be a uh, fraud because of identity theft. So that is, there's many different ways and many different strategies that people use. Like I said, I like to do it organically. I don't like to try to come and, um, uh, you know, sneak around or uh, kind of be conniving or anything like that about it. Everything that I'm doing is holistic and it delves heavily in the law so that you are actually backed up, you know, you're not doing anything that you shouldn't be doing. Um, everything is sound, solid, and of integrity. So, and that's very important to me because if you ever have an issue, you don't want to have an issue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I like to stay within the realms of uh, the law and making sure that everything is done in decency and order. Now, um, I am aware that we have reached the one hour time mark and I want to stop now and address questions because uh, I was designated in the last hour for questions because I know a lot of times questions will take a while. 
So like I said, this was just an intro and I actually have a lot more dealing with these laws for you, a lot more. Um, now what I am gonna do is you are going to get documents emailed to you. Now that, if you don't get it tonight, you gonna you will have it tomorrow. These documents are documents that get the permanent lasting results. These documents are the documents that are for requesting validation of the debt. These documents are not your um, typical generic little letters. This is some some different kind of stuff. And so I'm going to email you that because you got that with your purchase. And also what I'm going to do is in addition to this, because I really want to take some time and delve into those laws so that you thoroughly understand them. I'm actually going to give you a bonus and I'm going to uh, give you another recording of the actual laws and um, you know I'll, I'll do a screenshot, you'll be able to see everything and um, know where to go to actually look those laws up because that is going to be key in you moving forward with everything and when you're dealing with cleaning up credit. But I wanted to give you this intro um, to credit repair and I am waiting to see if anyone has any questions. I'm hoping you guys can hear me and can see everything okay. Now let me get my screen back up here so I can see. Uh, let's see. Oops. I don't even know what I'm doing. See, I told y'all I am not a techie person. Let's see. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right. So now I can see if anybody has any questions. So I'm going to check my other device as well. So I know I've got some people in another group. Make sure I'm not missing anything from over here. All right. Well, of course, if you all have any questions, you can always reach out and um, ask me. I am going to go ahead and end this now since I haven't gotten any questions just yet. And be on the lookout for your emails. You're going to get an email with another recording that's going to go over the laws more in depth. And then, of course, and that's your bonus. That's your bonus. And you are going to get the documents, which was included with what you purchased. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. If you would like for me to delve deeper on a specific topic that you heard mentioned, reach out, let me know. And um, you all enjoy your evening. I'll see you soon.